Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to come and hear from your word. Lord, we thank you that you preserved it for us for so many years so that we can have it in our hands today. And Lord, we thank you for those who have translated your word into our language so that we can understand what you have said. Lord, we pray that you may indeed bless this morning as we look at your word together. Lord, we pray that we may be attracted more to your son Jesus Christ than ever before as a result of hearing your word preached. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think most of you know that I'm someone who does not like change. I think I mentioned it before, but I mention it again. I'm someone who doesn't like change. I hate moving. The few times I've had to move in my life have not been enjoyable events. And so uh, you can expect me to stay around for a bit longer just because of the fact that I do not like moving. Uh, but of course I do love you all very much and plan to be here for many years. But I also hate change in little ways or bigger ways, uh, not as big as moving house, but even just moving location uh, from our house to certain places. Like yesterday, we decided we'd take the children to the beach. And the beach is not somewhere I choose to go. I would never go there without children because, of course, you have to prepare to go. You have to get all your clothes ready. You have to get changed into swimmers so that you can go. And then, of course, you get there and you've got to, it takes a while to get there from Des Moines, particularly on a Saturday morning when it's nice and warm. Everybody's heading to the beach. You've got to find a park, get there. Then you get into the water. Then you get out of the water and you've got sand and water all over you. You've got to get washed. You've got to get the kids washed now as well. You don't just take care of yourself. And then you've got to uh, translate yourself back from, transfer yourself back from the beach to home. And you ask yourself after it all, was it worth it? And that's where you ask the children, was it worth it? And if they'd like to go to the beach again. And when they both say no, uh, then you know that you won't be going there for a while in the future. But I'm someone who doesn't like change. I don't like changing location, going to uh, moving house, moving from one place to another if it takes a lot of work. And even when it comes to food, I go to restaurants and some restaurants I order the same thing again and again and again. I never change what I order. I've been going to Subway for years and years and I still order a chicken fillet foot long with Italian um, herbs and cheese bread and with everything except the olives, the carrots and the jalapenos. Why anyone puts those things on anything is beyond me. And salt and pepper and lots of barbecue sauce. The order, it's been the same. For, oh, it's got to be well over 10 years now. But I've been ordering the same thing at Subway every time I go there. I just don't change my order. And I think we're all like that to some extent. We don't like certain changes. And today we're going to be looking at something that has brought about great change. Great change for people again and again over the last few millennia. And what is that? Well, it's the change that is brought by Jesus Christ becoming a great high priest. The change that comes through Jesus Christ becoming a great high priest. Now, why was there need for a change? Why was there a need for a change in priesthood when it comes to Christianity? Why was there this need for change from the priests of Levi in Judaism to the priesthood of Jesus Christ in Christianity? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Why this need for change and whether this change is worth it? Why this need for change and whether the change was worth it? And to understand why the need for change was there is we've got to understand firstly what was the usual situation? What was the usual situation 
for the Jewish priesthood and then we can look at whether there was a need for a change. So what was the usual order for the Jews? Well, that brings me to my first main point this morning. My first main point this morning is a priesthood from the tribe of Levi was authorised by the law. A priesthood from the tribe of Levi was authorised by the law. And we see this in the passage that we've been looking at for a number of weeks, Hebrews chapter 7, found on page 1187 and page 1188 of your church Bibles. We've seen that there's been this change coming through and this is a change from the priests of Levi to the priests of Jesus and that the priests of Levi were established by the law. They were established by the law. And we saw that in verse 5. We had a hint of that, verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 7, where we read, Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people, that is their brothers, even though their brothers are descended from Abraham. So we see a law is involved with the priests of Levi, and particularly in that verse is talking about the tithing that happened. Now the Levites did a lot of things, but one of the things that they did was take 10% from the people. Even though their people, uh, the, the people that they were collecting from were their brothers, as verse 5 says, descended from Abraham as well, the law said you must give 10%. Otherwise, do you think they would have given over 10% of their incomes to their brothers? The law was involved in establishing the, pre, uh, the priests to be from the tribe of Levi. And then we also saw that the law was connected in verse 11 to the priests as well says in verse 11, last time I spoke on this passage, it says, verse 11, If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the law was given to the people. Why was there still need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. So we see there in the parentheses this mention of the law again. When we think of the Levitical priesthood, we've got to think of the law because the two go hand in hand. The law had made the the people of Levi, the, the men of Levi, priests. And they were then responsible for that interaction that man wants to have with God when it comes to the different uh, laws that we need to keep, but also when it comes to the sacrifices that we need to make for our sins. The Levites were established as the people you go to if you want to have intercession made between you and God. And so the law was crucial for establishing the Levites as the priests. So then we say, okay, so why the need for the change? Why a need for a change in anything? Why? What is wrong with Jesus being a priest? Can't we just say, okay, yeah, the priests were from the tribe of Levi and now we've got Jesus and so let's just have Jesus as our priest. There's no big deal. Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. A priest from the tribe of Judah was not authorised by the law. A priest from the tribe of Judah was not authorised by the law. And that's what the verses we're going to look at this morning are particularly concerned with. We have a problem here when we say that Jesus is simply going to be a priest and there's no need to have any, uh, there's no need to investigate the matter in any way that we just change over to Jesus. It's no big deal. We have a problem because Jesus is not descended from Levi. And the author points this out to us in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12. He says, For when there is a change of the priesthood, there must be also a change of the law. And then it says, verse 13, He of whom these things are said, which is referring to the earlier parts where we've been speaking about Jesus, He of whom these things are said, belong to a different tribe 
and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. And then verse 14, For it is clear that our Lord descended from Levi? No, from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. Jesus is from a different tribe. He's from the tribe of Judah. And that is clear. Verse 14 says, For it is clear. Now how do we know it's clear? Well, we've actually got two genealogies given us to us in the Gospels. One in Luke, one in Matthew. And both of both Luke and Matthew are very clear in showing that Jesus is descended from Judah. Which is important because Jesus fulfills a number of prophecies in the Old Testament that say that it's going to be from the line of Judah that there's going to be a king who reigns supreme forever and ever. And even that passage that we just had read for us from Genesis chapter 49, you've got Jacob, Israel there, saying that from Judah the scepter will not depart. And so there's a number of prophecies that are going to be fulfilled from someone from the tribe of Judah. But then that's a problem because Jesus is not just claiming to be king, he's claiming to be priest as well. And priests come from Levi, not Judah. Which then means that Jesus, if he's not from Levi and he's claiming to be a priest, is he a legitimate priest? And is the sacrifice Jesus makes a legitimate sacrifice? When he claims to be offering a sacrifice for our sins and he's not in a valid priesthood, then his sacrifice is invalid. It's illegitimate. It doesn't follow the law. The law says priests come from Levi. But Jesus is claiming that he can offer a sacrifice that forgives sins. So what needs to change? What has to happen if we're going to have Jesus offer the sacrifice for our sins? Well, that brings me to my third main point this morning. A priesthood change requires a law change. A priesthood change requires a law change. If you change the priesthood without changing the law, then the priesthood is invalid. But if the law is changed, then the priesthood, the new priesthood, is valid. And that's what verse 12 is trying to say. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12, page 1188, what does it say? It says, verse 12, for when there is a change of the priesthood, there must also be a change of the law. There must also be a change of the law. The law had to change, or otherwise... The Levites are still our priests and Jesus Christ is not. Now what does the author mean by a change in the law? Well, it's not a human alteration of the law. It's not like humans say, okay, well, we've got to scratch that out and revise it. No, it's where God removes a section of the law that concerned a particular time and period. And that word that's translated change in your English Bibles there in verse 12 is used later on in Hebrews as well, twice in uh, twice more in Hebrews, in chapter 11 verse 5 where it talks about Enoch's removal or change from the earth. He was taken from this life. He was changed from this life. What does that mean? What happened to Enoch? Who's Enoch in the Old Testament? He's that person we know very little about but who is very remarkable for the fact that he didn't die in this world. He was taken from this world. He was changed or removed, we could say. If that's what change is in the, in the life of Enoch, means removal, then 
That is what is happening here in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 7. It's a removal of things. And that word, that Greek word is also used in chapter 12 verse 27 of Hebrews to talk about the removal of things that cannot be shaken at the end of the world. The removal of things that cannot be shaken at the end of this world. That there's going to be a judgment and things are going to be removed. And so when it says change here, it's not that it's sort of uh, crossed out and altered in some way or modified in some part. It's that it's removed. Like Enoch was removed from the earth, this section about the Levites being priests is simply removed. And that then legitimizes Jesus as priest. Just as we see sections of our law changed, removed, so that things that were previously illegitimate are now legitimate because a law is removed. It says that now what was considered before illegal has been crossed out and it's no longer illegal. And that's what's happened in the case of Jesus being a priest. In the past it said Levites are your priests. But then God has changed the law, removed that law, so that Jesus is priest now. Now what does that mean for the Jews when this law change comes in? What does it mean for them? Is it a big change? Is it a change as simply as ordering something different when you go to the restaurant? It's not that big a deal. It might be a bit annoying, but it's not that big a deal. Well, that brings me to my fourth main point this morning. The priesthood of Christ changes a lot for the Jews. The priesthood of Christ changes a lot for the Jews. Now, we've got to be careful. Much of the Jewish law still remains. For Christians to follow and for Jews to follow, if they're following Christ as well. The, the moral codes, the Ten Commandments, still are in force. It's not as though God has removed those. But when he changed the priesthood from Levi to Christ, a lot changed. A lot of what we call ceremonial laws are removed and do not have to be followed by Christians or Jews any longer. What are those? Things like going to the priest to offer sacrifices at the temple in Jerusalem. Now, of course, in Jerusalem there is no temple anymore. So that is a big change that has forced people not to be able to offer sacrifices there. But it means that if the temple was in Jerusalem as it was in the day of the readers of this letter, they don't have to go to the priests in Jerusalem and offer sacrifices anymore because that law has been changed. It's been removed. All those ceremonial laws that involve going to the priests are null and void because now Jesus is your great high priest. So it's no wonder that something that was such a fabric of the Jewish society getting changed caused them a lot of angst. It's a huge change that has been brought about by Jesus becoming a priest and that the Levites are no longer your priests. And it affects the priests to begin with. I mean, that's their livelihood. I mean, what are they going to do now? And then all that, all those sacrifices and all that tithing that you're meant to be making to the priests in the past, you've got to start giving it to something else or maybe you get to keep it. But it, it requires you to investigate now. What do I do if Jesus is priest? It revolutionizes Judaism. And so it's not surprising that many Jews got very angry in the first century and accused Christians of disrupting their legal system. Examples would be 
uh, well, with Christ, they they also um, they accused him of being someone that was causing problems by his teachings in their nations. In Luke chapter 23, verse 2, it says, They began to accuse him, that's Jesus, saying, We have found this man, what did they find him doing? Subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Christ a king. This guy is claiming to be the Christ and changing things. And a very clear example of people getting very angry with Christians for changing things is what they accuse Stephen of in the early church as well. Turn with me back to page 1083 of your church Bibles to Acts chapter 6 verse 9. Acts chapter 6. I'll read from verse 8. Acts chapter 6, verse 8, page 1083 of your Black Church Bibles. Now Stephen is this man who has been chosen to be a deacon of the early church, so he's, uh, he's quite important in our uh, New Testaments. And we read in verse 8, it says, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. So they've got a problem with Stephen, but what is that problem? Verse 11 it says, Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and they brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witness who testified, This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. Now they're fabricating things about Jesus, about Stephen as well, so that they can uh, put him to death, which is what they're about to do once he gives a sermon. But you can see what their problem is with him by some of the accusations they're making. They're saying that he's going to change their customs. They've cottoned on to at least the fact that Christianity is teaching that Jesus is revolutionary to many of our customs of Judaism which would include our priesthood. If they're saying now that Jesus is the great high priest, then what happens to all our Levitical priests and all our ceremonial laws, our customs from Moses? This is big stuff for us, and we do not like people teaching this. They're subverting our nation, these Christians, by what they teach. And it's interesting, they also say this about Paul. When Paul's imprisoned, he's accused at trial in Acts chapter 21, verse 27. We read, When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, Men of Israel, help us. This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against our people and our law and this place. What are they accusing Paul of? Teaching against their people and their law. They've realized that Christianity makes major changes to their law and they're not happy about it. They're not happy with Stephen and they're not happy with Paul. So much that they stoned Stephen 
and they make sure that they get Paul imprisoned and eventually they try to kill him as well, but they don't get the chance. They realize that Jesus being a great high priest changes everything for them. They changes this ceremonial law that they've clung to for, for centuries. And now if the law is changed and the Levites aren't priests anymore, then Jesus is a priest, then we've got major change to do and we don't like that. And we'll do everything we can to stop it. But why should the Jews change? It was hard for them to accept Jesus as a priest. Why should they do it? Well, some change is for the better. We've got to recognize that. We don't like much change because in the end we'd say, oh, what's the point of it? But sometimes it's worth changing what you consistently do all the time for something that is better. And so that's sometimes why we do move house. We may hate moving house, but eventually we do it because we know it's better to go to the new location. And sometimes it's even worth changing your order at a restaurant. I've experienced this. I've been forced to change sometimes. I used to always, when I had Thai food, I used to get satay chicken if it was available, but it's not always available at lots of Thai restaurants. Anyway, and then I would go for Massaman beef, and then one day they didn't have either of those. It's like, what am I to do? And Jill suggested, why don't you try the yellow curry? Now, I generally stay away from anything hot, but I thought, okay, well, I've got to face it, I've got to choose something here. So I went for the yellow curry, and I liked it. And now, whenever I have Thai food, I eat yellow curry. I don't go for the satay, I don't go for the massive beef, I go for the yellow curry. I love it. Always yellow curry. The change has been for the better. And this is what we've got to remember with the Jews having their ceremonial law removed and the whole Levitical priesthood come tumbling down is that it's actually for the better. See, they miss the point when they hear Stephen speaking about changing the law. They don't listen to the next part. They hear about the changing of the law or Paul speaking and they go, I just focus on the fact that he wants me to change. They don't hear the part about it's going to be better. Why is Jesus better than Levi? Because he actually brings about forgiveness of sins. The priests of Levi never brought about forgiveness of sins. You would go to them, you would sacrifice animals, but it didn't atone for your sins. And that's what the author of Hebrews is going to tell us later. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4, he says, It is impossible, impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Why? Because they're not human. And you're a human and have sinned. You need another human to die in your place. Every religion that teaches that an animal can take away your sin is kidding itself because it's not true. How is an animal worth anything in comparison to a human? In our society, sometimes I think there's a confusion. People will treat animals better than they treat other humans. And that's terrible. They've lost the connection that humans are worth an immense amount in comparison to animals. And that is what it comes to when you sin. You can't sacrifice an animal and say, right, my sins are forgiven. The animals that were sacrificed in the Old Testament, they simply pointed to the fact that there was another sacrifice that had to come and that was Jesus Christ, the new high priest who would offer himself, the sinless one, for our sins. Which means that when you have Jesus as your priest, you're getting something better. 
And it's not like getting yellow curry instead of maximum beef. It is far more important than that. It means eternal life. It means forgiveness of sins. And so the Jews needed to understand that although it was a major disruption to their life, having the, the law changed and the Levites no longer their priests and Jesus as the priest, major change, it was worth it. Because now you have true forgiveness of sins. Your sins are atoned for in Jesus. Now that's the Jews. What about for you today? Does the priesthood of Christ coming change anything for you? You may feel, oh well, I never had Levi as my priest, so this isn't a big deal for me. This part of the Bible isn't really relevant. I've got no issue here. Well, that brings me to my fifth main point this morning. The priesthood of Christ changes a lot for non-Christians. The priesthood of Christ changes a lot for non-Christians, and that includes people who aren't Jews, for all people who aren't Christians. Now, you don't feel the force of verse 12 saying that the law had to be changed because you haven't ever had to go to the temple and get a Levite to make a sacrifice on your behalf. But we have all been at a stage where we've had something else being our priesthood, making us right between God and us, making us right between ourselves and God. We've had something else there. All of us may not be a Levitical priest. Something else. Often it can be yourself. You think that by offering the sacrifices of good things in your life, you do things, you, you, you give up some money, you give up some time for a particular charity, and then you are the priest, aren't you? And you're making little sacrifices that then atone for the things that you've done wrong so that God will like you and accept you. I'm not that bad and look at all the good things I've done. When Jesus comes along and says, I'm the high priest, that means you've got to forego yourself as priest. And all those little sacrifices that you thought atoned for sin, but let's face it, they're not human sacrifices that are being made on your behalf. They're just acts that you're doing or money that you're giving up, something in some way. They aren't atoning for your sin. Jesus revolutionizes the life of everybody who becomes a Christian because it means you have to kick out whatever you were using as priest before, whether it be a priest of another religion, something like uh, some other religion of Hinduism or Buddhism or something else, something where someone else was in authority to make intercession between you and God, Jesus kicks them out. Or he may even kick you out of being the one who intercedes between you and God if that's the way you were travelling, which is, I think, in Australia, the way a lot of people travel. They think that they can intercede between God and themselves. They don't need somebody else. They don't need a third party. They're quite okay to be high priest of their own life. But when Jesus comes and says, I am the high priest, it means a law change. It means that law that you've written in your own heart that this is the way I'm going to interact between God, this is my priest, has to be removed and Jesus comes in and changes everything. He is the one that now makes intercession between you and God. And that can revolutionise a life. That can change the way you behave in so many areas. Particularly if you've been following another religion, it'll change the way that you live 
you'll stop keeping those laws. And then if you've been behaving in a particular way to make up for your sin, you will stop doing that. Because now you've got Jesus as your high priest offering sacrifice for your sin. Now that may seem like it's a bit of a pain to take Jesus as Lord, to take him as your high priest. But you've got to remember it's a change for the better. You've got to remember that in the past, that priest that you had between you and God was not atoning for your sin. Only Jesus has offered a sacrifice that can atone for sin. He is the only one who can be a priest who brings forgiveness of sins. No matter how good you think you are as the great high priest of your life, you cannot bring about atonement for sin. And so it may change your life terribly to admit, to humble yourself and say, I am not great high priest of my life. Jesus is. It may be a great change that you resist as much as you can, but if you do that change, if you take Jesus as your great high priest and humble yourself before God and admit you're a sinner and that you need him, then it is a change for the better because forgiveness of sins does come whereas it didn't before. Now, for many of you, you may say, okay, he's speaking to converted here people, people here as well. What application is there for me today? Is there any relevance for me? He's spoken to Jews, and I'm not sure there's many Jews amongst us, and he's spoken to non-Christians. What about me as a Christian here? Does the change of priesthood mean much for you as a Christian? Once you've affirmed Jesus as priest, does it mean much change for you from then on? Well, that brings me to my sixth main point this morning. The priesthood of Christ changes a lot for Christians. The priesthood of Christ changes a lot for Christians. When you become a Christian, you do not become perfect overnight. The laws that you had in place in the past that you governed your life with, many of them do change. But many of them don't. And you've got to spend a couple of decades before you die working out where those laws are in your life and changing them, removing those laws and replacing them with Jesus Christ. Because we can so easily slip back into some sort of legalistic righteousness and start thinking that we're right with God because we're a good Christian. Good Christian. And we emphasize the good before the Christian part. And we can fall into a sin of perfectionism where we're constantly striving to be as good as we possibly can. We, we see that there's these things in our life that we need to change and we work on those big sins in our life when we become a Christian and then we, we start to sit back and think how proud and be proud about the fact that we're such a good Christian. And we start to even think that we don't need Jesus that much anymore. We needed him at the beginning, but not so much now. We've got to remember that Jesus changes everything for Jews, for non-Christians, and for Christians as well. If you can think you can sit back as a Christian on your laurels and say, I'm as changed as I can be, you need to read your Bible more and find out how much you do need to change when you look at God's law and your life and how many sins are still prevalent in your heart that need weeding out, that need changing. And how much you then need to cling to Jesus Christ as priest. Because we can start to forget about him being our priest and needing to make intercession for us. 
needed to make intercession for those years before I became a Christian, but not today. Not this day. Not yesterday. I was pretty good yesterday. No, we need Jesus Christ as our priest every day. And we need to be changing from that problem in our heart and our mind that we don't need him in some way. We need him every hour, every minute, every second of the day to be our high priest because we continue to be sinners every hour, every minute, every second of the day. We continue to break God's laws. And so we need Jesus as our priest. As much as we may hate change, we need to make those changes and cling to Jesus as priest. Why? Because it's for the better. Those sins that we love so much and we think if we change them it will just be a rough life. It won't be. It's for the better. When we have Jesus as the focus of our life and cling to him all the time, it is for the better. There's a peace, there's a joy that comes with being a Christian and having Jesus as your priest as opposed to someone else or something else as your priest. It is for the better. And so it's worth doing as a Christian. If you're not a Christian, it's worth becoming a Christian. If you are a Christian, it's worth clinging to Christ every day as your priest. Because he is the one that brings forgiveness of sins and he's the one who brings love and joy and peace into our lives. So is Jesus revolutionary for you? Does he bring great change in your life? Has he changed the laws in your life, particularly how you get to God? And do you continue to affirm Jesus as your priest and continue to dismantle those laws, those ideas in your heart that outlaw Jesus as priest and want to make something else priest instead? Let us come before our God now. Let us speak with him. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you did send a new priest, your son Jesus Christ. And we thank you that you have changed the law so that we can have him as our priest and know that his sacrifice is a legitimate sacrifice, that it is in accordance with your word. Lord, we pray that we may have him as our priest. May we not reject him for some other priest. But may we know that whatever priest we have, if we change to Jesus, it is for the better. Because Jesus brings true forgiveness of sin. Lord, we pray particularly for anyone in this room at this moment who does not have Jesus as their high priest. We pray that they may have him today. May they not hold back any longer. May they not wait, delay any more. But may they accept him today as their priest and experience forgiveness of sin. And Lord, we pray for the Christians amongst us. We pray that they may indeed continue to have Jesus as their priest, affirm him and change the way of thinking that they've been struggling with for years, continue to dismantle the laws in their own hearts that move them away from Christ. Lord, we pray that we may rid ourselves of such sins and cling to Christ every hour, every minute, every second. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.